Wonderful. Um, we're going to continue our series on the kingdom of God, which I'll start our sermon text that can be found on page four. But I wanted to take a second. I wanted to talk a little bit about this week. Uh, unless you've been in a hole, uh, you've been tracking a little bit on some of the things going on with the uh, delicate issue of abortion in our uh, there was a law that was passed in New York. There was a proposed law that was passed, excuse me, not passed, put forward, uh, radically expanding uh, abortion into the third trimester, relaxing restrictions on abortion. Uh, and um, it, it's not a good thing. Um, the, the bill was defeated narrowly in Virginia. Uh, but the reality of the truth is that this is not what God had planned for our world. It is not God that values life. God has brought life into the world and God cares for every life. And uh, with that being said, abortion is a factor that affects us all. The, the statistics in terms of in this room, people have had abortions, uh, women in this room. A and so to simply speak against it like it's something that doesn't affect us or it's a horrible thing, uh, we forget that we have also been faced with choices and made decisions, and we need to come alongside people and speak with grace into this situation. So while uh, affirming the rightness of life and a culture of life, uh, we also need to say that we're against abortion. But, you know, it's easy for us to uh, say, hey, we're going to speak but we're not going to act because that's very convenient. Or maybe we'll participate in a march on Washington uh, or Richmond. And I'm not speaking against marches. Uh, but marches don't mean a hill of beans to an 18-year-old girl who's pregnant and she's scared. And so I'm going to read to you a script that I'm going to do, actually, a video on Facebook. Uh, if you guys are with me, this is a message that I'm going to put forth. Essentially, it's this, that I'm going to speak about the rec recent law uh, and that this is against Scripture, that every life is precious. precious. It's also against science. Uh, with science, we know now that life does begin at conception. Uh, it's not good for the child. It's not good for the mother. It's not good for society. I'm in a very unique position. You know, it would be easy to say, well, you're a male. You don't face consequences of a bad decision. Uh, but my wife and I are the proud parents of an adopted child with special needs. Uh, and our daughter, maybe in some societies, would say, oh, there's not a lot of value because she may not be able to do that or this or whatever. But the reality is she's uh, one of the most precious things in our family and such a joy and a privilege and a delight to have her. Um, to be a Christian is not only to say, be warm and well-fed, but to extend our hand, to reach out to people in a time of need. And so this is what I'm going to say. It's not enough for a church to say we are against this. Jesus cannot, the church cannot say that we're against abortion and not be willing to step in to help people. And so I am going to make an appeal to women in our community. If you are pregnant and considering abortion as an adoption, I ask that you would not. I ask that you would call us at Redeemer because we want to come alongside you and help you find a home for that child or to help you carry that child to term and raise it yourself. We have partnered with organizations in the community and we will come alongside you and walk with you through this difficult time in your life. 
Now, the reality is there's no way that I can do that alone. We have partnered with Crisis Pregnancy Center. Uh, That's part of your contributions that go toward them. We have partnered in the past with Bethany Adoption Services. We'll probably uh, 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 re-partner with them again. But if I put out this message and women start calling and saying, I need help, are we willing to drive them to Crisis Pregnancy Center? Are we willing to sit with them and to hold their hand and pray with them? Are we willing to take by groceries? It's one thing to march. It's another. And so I guess the point I'm trying to make is if you're willing to do that, I, I need for you to on this Connect card say, I can help. I can't do everything, but I can help. Because I can't say yes to that and then somebody call us and then we don't step up to the plate. So that's my message on what I want us to be about as a church, not simply saying what we're against. Jesus never ran toward programs. He always ran toward people, didn't he? He didn't see crowds. He saw individuals. And so as a church, that's what we need to do and be about. So if you know someone in this situation, that's who Redeemer needs to be about. That's what I want to be about. And that's what I'm, I'm sort of calling the question with us as a church, if we're serious about this, then we need, to, we need to be prepared to sacrifice in order to do so. Okay, let's turn to our scripture that can be found in Mark 4, 26 through 32. Okay, okay. Um, Ken, where are you? Why don't you just pray for our church that we would woman up, so to speak. Lord, thank you for bringing us here. Thank you for giving us purpose. Thank you for filling us with your spirit and for giving us the message of your gospel and equipping us uh, to take it in all of its uh, implications. We understand and you don't understand um, to each other, to our families, and to our community. Lord, Lord, so I pray for this call take your grace, your love, uh, your provision, your gospel to those who are uh, in need and feel desperate because of, uh, because of a pregnancy, because of um, uh, a situation in life that seems uh, hopeless or oppressive or um, too difficult to bear. Lord, help us to come alongside, give us opportunity and an enablement uh, to come alongside your family, to love and to provide and to, to minister and to speak truth, to speak truth uh, uh, in love. Uh, Lord, I pray uh, that people would come to know you, that babies would be saved, uh, that kingdom would grow. Help us to do that, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So what, you know, what we don't need, I think we have the money to help, but we need his hand. And so what I need for you, if you have time and a heart to be able to say on this Connect card, I can, I can drive somewhere. I can take by groceries. I can sit with a woman. I can, whatever it is, I need to know what resources in terms of time and hands that are out there on this Connect card and go ahead and put it in the bulletin, uh, excuse me, go ahead and put it in the offering plate so I know when I put this out and somebody calls me, I can deploy some of our, our folks to come alongside and help. Okay? That's the call to action. All right, our scripture is Mark 4, 26 through 32. 
Jesus spoke in parables about the kingdom of God. And he said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself, first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, what, with what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. Yet when it, when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches, so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. The word of the Lord. Well, I said it earlier, and I believe it's true, that the most powerful things in the world often begin with a whisper. It's Marcus Andresen, if you don't know that name, who came up with a browser he called Netscape in 1994, a way for people to communicate through the Internet. And look at where we are now. It's Rosa Parks finally saying, I'm not going to get off of this bus seat because it's just plain wrong. Love is one of the most powerful things that often begins with a whisper. I remember the first time I met my wife. There were not fireworks. There was not a sign in the sky. Indeed, my initial thought was this woman has a lot of hair. <laughs> and yet, there was a seed planted in my heart that grew larger and larger and larger. The kingdom of God is kind of like that, isn't it? From the beginning, from the fall of man in Genesis, there is a seed that is planted where God, through a promise, says that I will crush the head of Satan and through you, woman, will come a seed who will do this. It develops throughout the Bible. And when it finally comes to earth and begins, it begins not with a bang, but with a whisper, with a baby, a small child in the middle of a backwards town in the middle of a nowhere country. Jesus is trying to communicate a truth to us through these parables. A parable is an earthly story that has a heavenly meaning. And Jesus is trying to communicate to us if you are a Christian, that he has begun a work in the world and in you that will ultimately culminate in eternal life. He's trying to communicate to us that even when you do not see God working in your life, do not be discouraged. Rather, be expectant. For the kingdom of God has come, and the kingdom of God is at work. But we need to unpack what is this kingdom of God and these parables, these riddles, if you will really going to only look at two things. One, the fact that he has come to bring life. That there is something that is growing inside of the person who has proclaimed life in Christ. And the second, we're going to look at how this kingdom grows. Because it grows unlike anything else. From the smallest to the biggest. In fact, it's much, much bigger than we could ever think or imagine. Well, let's begin that he has come to bring life. Jesus tells these parables and the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. 
Or it's like a grain of a mustard seed when sown becomes the largest plant. I don't think it's a mistake that Jesus uses these agrarian illustrations specifically about life and growth. Because the kingdom of God is about life and growth. When Jesus came, he spoke very clearly about who he was and what he came to bring. Jesus said, I am the way and I am the truth and I am the life. I am the resurrection and the life. If anyone believes in me, he will live though he dies. And if he dies, he will live. So Jesus is using this illustration of seeds to talk about the kingdom of God. And he begins with the first one. The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. Now the point, of course, of scattering seed on the ground is to bring forth life, to bring forth a harvest or fruit. The soil itself has no life in it to bring forth these plants. It's inert in terms of it doesn't have a seed. It's receptive, if you will, hopefully if you have good soil. But it won't grow anything without the seed. And so it is the man who comes upon the soil scattering the seed. He intends for a harvest. He intends to bring forth life. That is why he's scattering it. And apparently this soil has already been prepared. It's a very different parable from the one that he told earlier in which he talks about the different types of soil. Some on the rocky ground uh, where, the, where it doesn't have any nutrients, it doesn't bring forth life. Apparently this, this ground has been prepared. A good farmer prepares the soil before he drops the seed so it will grow. And there is a need for growth, isn't there? Very clearly, Jesus speaks upon the fact that there is a necessity for life. As he said to Nicodemus, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Have you ever wondered where death came from? Because God did not design humanity to die. He designed us in his image to live forever as his created beings. How did God bring man to life in the first place? In Genesis 2, it says that he took the dust of the earth and he formed up a man. So he looked like a man, and yet he had no life. And then it says that the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Now this breath that comes from the mouth of the Lord, this breath of life, the Hebrew word for breath is synonymous with the Spirit of God. Spirit and breath. He put his Holy Spirit into man and he vivified, if you will. And God energized man and woman to live after him. But he gave specific instructions to him, did he not? That you shall work and the ground and you shall bring my image to the four corners of the earth but you shall not eat from this particular tree because if you do you shall surely die and man and woman ate from that tree but they didn't keel over dead did they was God lying was he simply trying to trick them no they did die not physically but spiritually God took the Holy Spirit from their hearts. 
He kept them on a life support, so to speak. And as soon as he took that life from man, death entered into the world. No surprise that in the next chapter, Cain went into a field and he slew his brother. And death became a part of our world. All that physical death is, is a manifestation of the death that is inside of us, finally making its way out. And yet from the beginning, God has promised a new life to come. Remember that picture of the prophet Ezekiel that he sees of this valley of bones laying strewn throughout this valley. And God says to Ezekiel, prophesy to the bones and say to them, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. I will make breath enter into you and you will come to life. I will attach tendons to you and make flesh come upon you. I will put breath in you and you will come to life. And then you will know that I am the Lord. God is saying that there is a time when I will revivify you and bring you to life. And indeed, I will ultimately eliminate death. In Isaiah, God says, behold, I will create a new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor will they come to mind. The wolf will lie with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the yearling together, and a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. Their young will lie together, and the lion will eat straw like the ox. In this illustration, or in these passages, God is saying, I am going to bring life. But he's showing in this parable how he brings life. A man came and he sowed seed in a field. And he sleeps and rises night and day. And the seed sprouts and grows and he knows not how. See, what Jesus is saying is this life that I have spread in the beginning is hidden. In the earth, so to speak. Hidden from full view. And yet quietly, inconspicuously, the seed opens and conception begins. And this stalk of wheat begins to grow slowly, imperceptibly, as the man sleeps and rises day and night. Indeed, the farmer doesn't even know how it's happening, but it's happening. The life is beyond him, so to speak. And the earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, and then the full grain in the ear. Anyone who's kept a garden can uh, uh, recall with delight when they see that first sprout out of the soil as the plant begins to make a beeline for the sun. It's been hidden for so long in the darkness and in the cold, and yet spring has come, and it develops and develops. And there is a time when it's finally finished. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. What Jesus is saying is that eternal life, or I prefer to call it everlasting life, and the kingdom of God are synonymous. And they will come in full force when Christ comes back at the end of the world. And yet it has broken into this world. 
that with the coming of Christ, life is being implanted into the souls of men and women. Jesus said, I tell you the truth. A time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. That even now, though you may not be able to see it, though it's hidden and inconspicuous, it's growing in the hearts of men and women. See, the Israelites couldn't get that. And that's why Jesus was using this parable. They were expecting a kingdom that would come, that would vanquish their enemies, that would go from the outside in, so to speak. And Jesus is saying, the kingdom that I bring comes from the inside out. The kingdom of God is within the Christian. Earlier in the scripture uh, that Catherine read, uh, Jesus said, don't look for the kingdom here or there, for the kingdom of God is in your midst. It doesn't say the kingdom of God is within you. That's an incorrect translation. Because he was speaking to the Pharisees, many who did not were not believers. What he is saying was that I am in your midst. I'm bringing the kingdom of God to you. And if you receive me, if you open the door of your heart, I will come into you and be with you. I remember when I was 18 years old and I heard the gospel. Some friends invited me to a Young Life Bible study in their basement. And I went and I heard the message of the gospel. And the light came on, so to speak. A seed was planted in me, though I didn't know it. It started with me seeing and understanding the truth that Jesus Christ is the Lord that he is the savior of the world. But my life was running in a different direction and continued to do so. And yet slowly, imperceptibly, the kingdom of God began to grow. I started to look at things differently. Things that I used to do bothered me. There were times when I would fall back into my old ways and my old thoughts, and I'd wonder, is it really there? Has anything really happened to me? And yet, as I look back, and I look upon my life now, 30 years later, the kingdom of God continues to grow in my heart. People can't see it. Maybe sometimes they can. It's hidden, but it's there. See, Christianity is not a philosophy. It's not a new practice, a new way of life. It is life itself that has taken root in the heart of those who bow the knee to Jesus Christ. A premonition of the future that will ultimately culminate one day when Christ comes and the ear and the stalk and the grain is all there and the harvester will come. I don't know if you've ever struggled like me with the question, is any of this real? Jesus said that he came that I might have life and have it to the full, and yet often I experience death in my heart. The kingdom of God is in me, though. It's growing. God is with me and in me. It may be slow, 
and maybe imperceptible. But you should be able to see traces of it as the kingdom works its way, works its way from the inside out. And so as a Christian, you can have confidence that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. That you are a work in progress and that God's life is in you. That it's taken hold to hold on, to let him do his work in your life. If you have not yet bowed your knee to Jesus Christ, if you're looking for life in things or in people, getting the right friends or the right girlfriend or the right spouse, if you're looking for life in achievements and reputation, you're looking in the wrong place because the kingdom of God is in your midst. Jesus Christ, through his Holy Spirit, is alive and well on planet Earth. And he has come to bring life. And when you receive his kingship, you receive him. A seed planted that's the size of your heart that will grow to fullness in due time. Well, this leads me to my second point, that the kingdom of God starts with a whisper and ends with a bang. Jesus said, with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? It's like a grain of a mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of all the seeds on the earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. You know, we tend to judge things by their size, by their initial impact. That's why you notice that people are starting to uh, come out saying that they're running for uh, the president. If I was trying to run for president, I would simply first begin by saying free beer for everyone. <laughs> oh, and by the way, I'm running for president. So you've got to make an impact, right? You've got to make some outlandish statement. You've got to be larger than life on the camera to get people's attention. And then when you make an impact, you'll grow. But that's not what Jesus is saying, is he? He's saying that the kingdom of God is like the smallest seed. The mustard seed to the farmer back then was the smallest, the tiniest seed. Wasn't Jesus' life an illustration of the mustard seed? Jesus is born to a, a virgin in the middle of nowhere. He works in a carpenter shop for 30 years. His brothers don't even believe initially that he's the, he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. When Jesus begins his public ministry, he does so in a corner. Indeed, when there's a feast, the Feast of Booths in Jerusalem, his brothers say to him, leave here and go to Judea so that your brothers also may see the works you are doing, so that uh, your disciples also may see the works you are doing. For no one works in secret if he seeks to be known openly. If you do these things, Show yourself to the world. That is, of course, if you're the life of the world. And the seed that you plant continues to grow and grow and grow. When the mustard seed goes into the ground, it disappears instantly. You can't see it. Indeed, if you're not careful, you may say, where did it go? Maybe I didn't drop it at all. You wonder. But when it does grow, it continues to grow. 8 to 12 feet high, and it's this giant bush. 
Indeed, in California, black mustard is considered a weed because it grows so large and it crowds out all the other crops. It's larger than all the others, so much that the birds of the air can nest in it. It provides shade. See, what Jesus is showing is the vast difference between the beginning and the end. There are smaller seeds, though no one would have known them. For instance, the orchid seed. But the orchid seed turns into a very nice, pretty plant. But the mustard seed from start to finish is a gargantuan difference. Jesus, when he came, did not shake the earth with his glory and his might. He communicated through the Holy Spirit to shepherds and then called fishermen and ex-tax collectors and ex-terrorists and said, come follow me. And yet the kingdom of God continues to grow, does it not? All around the world, people are gathered together in churches, in huts, underground, small places, cathedrals, and humble homes. You can go to almost anywhere around the world, and the kingdom of God is there. I should have maybe preached on the parable of the leaven, where Jesus says, did you say leaven or leaven? Leaven, thank you, thank you very much. That was a catch. The kingdom of God is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into the large amount of flour until it worked all the way through the dough. Begins with a pinch, and yet it grows and grows and grows until it is everywhere. See, Jesus has only one intention in the end, one kingdom to encompass everything, and one king to rule over all. Jesus is not simply going to be the king. He's going to be the king of kings and the Lord of lords. There was a prophecy in Daniel where the king had a dream, and it was of this giant image, and the head was of gold, its chest and arms of silver, its middle and thighs of bronze, and its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. And as the king looked on in his dream, a stone was cut out by no human hand. It struck the image on its feet and broke them into pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold all together were broken and became like chaff of the summer threshing floor. And the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. Daniel was speaking of the kingdoms of the earth and the final kingdom that would come, that would subsume all other kingdoms, that would grow from a stone to a mountain that encompass the entire earth. The kingdom is growing. The kingdom will culminate and subsume all other kingdoms. And so Jesus gives us this parable that we may know the truth. If you feel in your heart, if you struggle with the insignificance of the kingdom in your heart, you wonder, did the seed even get planted? You can take heart from this parable because it tells us that the reality that the kingdom is far bigger than we ever could expect or imagine, that he is coming 
could be 20 years from now. It could be 20 minutes from now. He says, be ready. Look, for he will come like a thief in the night. And the kingdom will be established. And all evil will be taken away. And the lion will lay down with the lamb. And all will be right. Indeed, there will not even be a need for the sun. For Christ himself will be the light of the world that gives light to the kingdom. Yes, we live in the time when the kingdom has not manifest itself fully. It's of a spiritual nature. Can be resisted maybe by some people for a while. But the kingdom will come in its fullness and in its power. It will subsume all. And we, if you have bowed your knee to Jesus Christ, can look forward with expectation and hope because we're not getting older. We're getting closer. Day by day, imperceptibly, the tree grows. And then you see the stalk. And then you see the ear. And then you see the grain. And at the proper time, the harvester applies the sickle. For the fruit is ready. And the banquet shall begin. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this truth. That the most important thing that you wanted to change in the world was not the world, but us. That you have begun a work in our life. Reshaping us into your image through the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, help us to usher in the kingdom by being salt and light in this world, by preaching the good news of the kingdom, by spreading the seed through our life and our words of the gospel, that it would take hold in your people. Lord, we long for the day when the trumpet sounds, when the sky is rent, and you come in the heavenly Jerusalem, the city prepared, uh, comes to earth, and all is made right. Let us be satisfied with nothing less as we sojourn on this earth. We pray all of this in Christ's name. Amen.